0: Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to another episode of The Grind podcast. Uh, With me is the lovely Chad Grigsby.
1: Yes, getting lovelier by the day.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, the always efficient and proficient at all things technological, Nick Burt, Nick production Burt, master, taking stuff to the next I said level. Production around here. minister again. <laughs> We're just going to have to change your title. Uh, production minister of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I cannot get that out of my head for some reason. <laughs> so uh, it's stuck. i well, hey, uh, glad you joined us again for this podcast. We're excited to have our executive director, Dr. Sonny Tucker, on today. And uh, Chad and I get a lot of comments uh, periodically about church planting where young church planners think we are the fringe of the ABSC and and maybe not. And uh, we are. In some ways, yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, that not all the ABSC is as passionate about church planning as we are. Well, you're going to get to hear from the executive director himself today and see that we are not uh, the only ones that care about church planting as much as we do and so yeah. we're excited about that it's going to be a fun uh, fun interview uh, and uh, if you haven't heard him talk about his passions he's a blast and so uh, we're not just uh, uh, building him up because he writes our paychecks he yeah. is
1: he is our friend too <laughs> And he was your team leader for a number of years, right?
0: Yeah, he is the one that hired me uh, when I initially came on at the convention when he's evangelism team leader mm-hmm. and uh, just great guy, great friend, and uh, proud to have him as our executive director. Uh, in all seriousness, do you
1: know what the JD stands for? Does, uh, he, I do. go, does he go by Sonny because of that? Or? No, that's a nickname. Okay, and so, right. uh,
0: yeah, and I didn't uh, want to ask him that. I thought it was <laughs> safer to ask yeah, you that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'm not answering. So, you're so, not answering uh, what it no, means? I'm not gonna tell okay. you what it means. All right, if he wants to tell, he can tell. Well, I'm not gonna uh, ask him. So. <laughs> okay, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Uh, So we want to kind of share something with you that's going to be uh, debuting today in theaters, August 30th, and uh, it's the new Insanity of God movie. I know uh, probably several of the guys listening to this uh, have read the book Insanity of God, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, Uh, but we just got to see uh, a few weeks ago a trailer uh, promoting the movie and kind of a documentary format and just all I can say is just, wow, I mean, just mm. so impactful and challenging. And uh, if you have not read Insanity of God or heard Nick Ripken's story, um, uh, he was in Somalia during all the Civil War stuff and have seen uh, persecution as normal in those countries and have seen many friends lose their lives uh, for the cause of Christ, and he talks about a lot of that. Uh, and not just in Somalia, but but several places around the world, and uh, uh, how people deal with persecution and still remain faithful to, to Christ. So
1: yeah, I, m- I remember sitting listening to him talk uh, last fall at the ABSC, and just feeling like this uh, this feeling in my stomach of just almost a sickness. You know, yeah, just just. And I remember writing on the response card after we watched the preview, um, the trailer. It was like a 30 minute trailer and yeah. I'm talking about stuff just and they asked for for what your feedback was. and all I could get out was, wow, you know, um, uh, this is just crazy that this is happening and you know uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to, yeah. to be an American Christian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. just what we think is important. I mean, just I just I didn't really have sentences as much as just words. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was really powerful.
0: Yeah, overwhelming. I, Everyone, I think is a, a good word, yeah. word to describe it. Uh, you hear these stories of persecution and, and, uh, and I just man, I'm just not sure uh, the American church or not even just the American church but the church in the West uh, is ready for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, and I don't know how you get ready for it. Uh, you deal with persecution as it comes. And uh, but uh, it it really is a challenging movie, an encouraging movie, a powerful movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the stories and testimonies of faithful
1: saints in in the face of great odds. We just it's like we don't have the context to process it almost. I just couldn't, and and that's what I'm almost a little afraid of because it is such a powerful film that people won't have the ability to process right. it so they may just dismiss it. Not, yeah. not dismiss it, but just it's going to take some some work to sit down and process what, what this means for our lives, what are yeah. the implications of it. So really yeah. powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, with the freedoms we have, what are we, we going to do with them? Yep. Uh, if the gospel is powerful, if Jesus is the Son of God and can change lives, we have ultimate freedom to be able to share that anywhere. What are we going to do with it? Yep. Great, great challenge. Okay, so y'all check out uh, the Insanity of God movie. It is uh, airing today, uh, debuting today. It's a one-day showing. Uh, I'm sure Lifeway will be releasing DVDs uh, after today. If you're listening after today, you can catch up with with them, insanityofgodmovie.com. All right, well, uh, we're going to get ready to go into our interview with Dr. Tucker. And so welcome, uh, Dr. Sonny Tucker, to The Grind Podcast. Glad to have you.
2: Glad to be here, guys.
0: (laughs) We've been looking forward to this one. And, uh, uh, you know, Chad and I talk all the time. That uh, we have different young church planters. That when we tell them what the ABSC is doing and kind of their passion for church planting and a lot of the freedoms that are involved in in church planting, they look at us like, okay, that's probably you guys, but we can't believe that that's the ABSC, you know, as well. And so, uh, so we want to we want to remove all of that today and let them hear from the the chief himself uh, about his passion for church planting and. So just to kind of frame the conversation a little bit and, and get folks up to speed on, on who uh, Dr. Sonny Tucker is, share a little bit about your ministry journey kind of before and up to becoming uh, Executive Director of the ABSC.
2: All right. I started teaching fifth grade boys when I was in the 10th grade, wow. and uh, just a bunch of radical heathen guys, <laughs> and, uh, nobody could really handle them. And uh, I guess my ministry never really got beyond that for a, <laughs> a large part. I started working with the neighborhood kids in the Wednesday night program when I was sixteen. Uh, surrendered to full time vocational ministry at eighteen, and then I was youth pastor for about a year, and then uh, then I started pastoring. I pastored sixteen years. Never really got over being a youth pastor, and I found out you don't quit being a youth pastor. You add. Other ministries to being a youth pastor, it just stacks on top of each other, yeah. and so I uh, had a lot of, a lot of blessings by God. Pastoring sixteen years, uh, then came to work with the convention in the Evangelism and Church Growth division at thirty-seven, and then uh, was there for about sixteen years and been exec for three. Wow, wow! So in the so so
0: total at the ABSC is about twenty years.
2: Right, 19, 20 years.
0: Okay, so over those 20 years, what are kind of some of the major trends in ministry that maybe you've seen come and go or major shifts uh, that have happened in those those 20 years kind of leading up to today?
2: Uh, A couple shifts I see is moving away from a lot of program-driven ministry to contextualized ministry, which is good. Now, I'm not against programs. I'm against a one-size-fits-all program. I operate on the principle I've heard Twice from C. Peter Wagner, not original with him, that the majority of pastors and staffs, about 80%, are programmatic thinkers. They Mm -hmm. have to have a one-two-three-step program. Fifteen percent are innovative thinkers. They can see something work in another context, and they can adapt it. And then five percent are creative thinkers. Those are the guys who invent the wheels. So I'm not against uh, strategies, but I don't like it being program-driven. That's change, which is good. I think the second thing that's changed is just the radical lostness. I mean, lostness is more prevalent. Folks don't have a church background like they used to, and so we have to be more contextualized, and that's changed everything. We have to go after folks that are And what I tell the state is, this is pretty colloquial, but I tell the the churches all the time in Arkansas, we're slap out of all the good centers. Now we're down to the bad centers. And you've got to know how to handle them, how to work with them, how to prepare for them. I think those are the two biggest changes that I've seen. Yeah.
0: And that's a great word, particularly for our church planters, because a lot of our church planters are right in the fray with a bunch of those bad, quote-unquote, bad sinners. And right. it's, it just gets messy uh, every now and then. And, and, yeah. yeah. T-
1: talking about major shifts, one of the uh, the big shifts that happened with the ABC, ABSC mm-hmm. two years ago was going from eight teams to five teams, where you know church planting was a sub-team of the mission team, and now it's its own separate team. Talk about that transition and emphasis a little bit.
2: Well, we made it their own separate team because Dave McClung threatened us if he didn't. (laughs) That's the main reason we did that. But You know, when we got – I feel like about every five years, we probably need to think about a regroup and a redirection, and Mm -hmm. and that would be about the longest we can go. When we got ready to, to focus, we did listening sessions around the state. I didn't listen to everybody but I listened to representatives of every group. I heard one thing from our sharp thinkers. Uh, revitalized churches, strengthened churches, next generation, and then the uns, unreached, unengaged, underserved. And that's what I heard over and over and over. So those became our three priorities, our three essential intents. And so when we started looking at making the teams fit, what we heard from the state, I thought church planning was so important that it needed to stand alone. So we pulled it away from the missions team. So we have a missions team, the church planning team, uh, collegiate young leaders, which is a lot of, a lot of focuses on next gen and then also on the, the church revitalization, uh, church health. So I think church planning is important enough. It should stand alone. It shouldn't be covered in anything else. It needs to be forefront. It needs to be fresh on everybody's mind. Yeah. It was a no a no brainer for me. It was this should be one of our top priorities.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's good to hear you say that. Uh, it's good good for other people, especially church planters in the yeah. state, to hear that. Uh, because sometimes in, in our conversations, I know Dave and I's conversation, but as a church planting team at, uh, as a whole, when we talk about the emphasis on church planting, they think it's just a An US thing, you know, a church planning team thing or a Dave and I thing, but it really is an ABSC thing and a Dr. Sonny Tucker thing. Am am I right?
2: No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, I'm as passionate about church planning as as I am about anything we do. You know, Robbie Tingle and I had a discussion years and years ago. He was the team leader for the missions team that Dave was on for a while uh, about, uh, Whatever it takes to reach lost folks, to reach the next generation, we're going to do. And we're going to stand by them. We're not going to lose them. We're not going to leave them. And so right now, I just see a lot of millennials and uh, special millennials, but all ages, even folks that are just, they can't find a church with which to connect. We have churches being planted that they connect to. It's one of the most exciting things I've seen. So this is as much passion in my heart is anything we have. So yeah, I want to be real clear on that for everybody in the state. This is not a sideline for me. This is one of the top priorities. Yeah,
0: awesome. Well, and it plays real well into those three essential intents uh, that, uh, you know, obviously reaching the uns is a priority in church planting, because evangelism is, is our passion in church planting that you know, we, we do evangelism to make disciples, to gather them together, to plant the church. That's, that's our strategy. And so kind of talk about, you know, how you see church planting playing a role in engaging each of these three essential intents, the strengthening churches, the impacting next generation, and reaching the uns.
2: Well, I think for, uh, for, the, for our, our executive board and ministries, I mean, every team ought to have their hand in the pot on church planting. Uh, I know you guys are looking at uh, collegiate models, today, and yeah. so that affects their team. Uh, the guys on the church health and evangelism uh, team uh, need to be finding everything they can to help churches once to break these initial growth barriers. Yeah. Uh, a lot of our church plants all over the country stop at about 90. Mm. And somewhere in there, you've got to make a shift from being a primary caregiver to developing teams and and developing other folks and giving the ministry away. You quit being a sheep herder and you move to being a rancher. Hmm. And so those teams should be involved in that. And then uh, for the missions team, when we do mission trips, uh, I don't think we ought to just go do a mission trip and do good things in the name of God and turn around and walk away. We ought to be able to plant churches with folks that are there who don't have a church, a contextualized church. So, and these will be a part of everything we do with ABSC. I'm not sure if that's exactly what you meant with the question today, but it's not. Direct me.
0: That's no, that's great. That's great. And and this is a team effort. Uh, You know, we've got uh, one of the things that you've emphasized since you've been here that I've loved is is the term synergy. Mm -hmm. That it's not just church planting and ABSC. It's not just uh, church revitalization, church health in ABSC. It's all of us working together as the ABSC, and so right. you know Terry Bostick's team has been engaged in the Delta and in our church planning residencies and training, and and helping helping church planters see beyond that first initial couple of years yeah. uh, to establish some systems and and leadership development. And, and of course, we're talking with David James and collegiate young leaders about how to greater you know find greater impact on the college campuses. Uh, with the 20-somethings, uh, older teenagers and 20-somethings who are uh, in college right now, whether it's create uh, you know, new church plants there in their context or empowering some of our ex- existing churches to take another step and engage in engaging college campus, and then and obviously with the
1: missions team uh, as well. Yeah, well, not only that too, but you know every church plant eventually kind of comes out of a phase of church planting. You know, I think that's what Doctor right. Tucker's talking about. Yeah. What about when you're five, ten years down the road, you're not really a church plant anymore? So, how do you get beyond that ninety barrier? How yeah. do you, you know? And that's where the other teams, I think, yeah. like you said, really yeah. serve.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what else is exciting. You're talking about the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. There's actually more than just the executive board staff. It's agency and institutions. Yeah. So you've got you've got money with a foundation uh, that can be poured, and uh, some of the missions endeavors. You've got. Uh, local churches that are involved. You've got uh, massive amounts of folks interested in church planning at Williams Baptist College and Washtenaw Baptist University and the BCMs. Yeah. Uh, you've got students being saved and called to ministry at Camp Silon mm-hmm. every year in Super Summer and Associational Camps, Camp Pair. And so um we're all in this thing together and that's exciting. That's right. That's
0: right. And we think everybody that surrenders the ministry ought to be church planners. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly right. That, one of Dave's that is how y'all feel, no yeah, doubt.
1: One of Dave's favorite quotes is God loves you and we have a wonderful plan for your life. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you see as, you, you've
0: been around a while now, I won't say that you're old or anything like that, but uh, you, you've been yeah. a staple at the ABSC for you know, 20 years now and have seen a lot come and go. What, what would you say is kind of a number one barrier to church planting in Arkansas? Uh, uh, I don't
2: know if I can just do one. One <laughs> is turfism. Yeah. Turfism is the biggest challenge that we have. Folks think that there's a church that starts down the road they're going to, going to get everybody. You know what we see with even uh, even like Archie Mason at Central Jonesboro. You know Archie has has poured himself into church plants into those campuses, and they've given away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of members of campuses. And what he finds is the more they give away, the more God sends them.
3: That's right.
2: So there's no turf. And also, you know that uh, this this is what our folks have got to understand is this people group groupality of doing church. Now we train our missionaries. You go to these countries and you work with a certain people group that have different, the same basic cultural base and, uh, and language affinities and things like that. But well, when you come to America, we all do the one same way. Yep,
3: yep. And
2: that is not true. And we have massive amounts of folks out there that are not engaged in a church that's really in their heart culture. And so uh, people have to understand you can start a church two blocks from your church. If you shoot for a different people group, it will not impact your numbers at all.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, right. But, hey, I, I'll just tell you this. I don't cut folks a lot of slack. I mean, the 16 years <laughs> I pastored, I didn't cut me a lot of slack. And uh, if people left my church because they found a, more, a, more, a place they could go and have meaningful church membership, then I blessed them, yeah. and I wish them well, and I prayed for them. And I think everybody ought to do the same. I had folks upset at me because I got their members. They would say, uh, you got members. What do you, want? You know, what do you want me to do about you? You just tell them they can't leave your church is what I started telling folks. you know. So, But it doesn't matter if they leave. It's about it's the second thing I think, guys, say is the kingdom mindset. Mm, it's yeah. not just about my church. It's about the kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's our barriers. And probably the third thing is, I kind of alluded to this. people do not understand the people group concept of church planning, how valuable it is in the state and how important it is
1: yeah yeah and and I think a lot some of that is on church planters to, like Dave said, start with evangelism that results in gathering a congregation rather than just trying to create a worship service that collects other church members. you know so that's kind of on right. that's kind of on church planters and and you know I would I would um want to know your advice for church planters uh, in having a better relationship with established churches, established pastors, associations, and the ABSC. Like, what, what are some things that young planters especially can do better to have a good relationship with
2: them? Uh, there's two parts of this. This is where I'll make everybody mad. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is I think if you're going to go to an area, you don't have to say a stinking word to anybody. But I think, out of courtesy, y'all let the folks in the area know I am going to plant a church. You're not asking for permission.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: You're just informing them in the spirit of Christ. We yeah. plan on doing this. I want you to know who we are and I want you to hear our vision. And you shouldn't ask for permission. If you feel God's called you to do this, this is what you ought to do. So I think it's common to see. And honestly, a lot of the tension can be addressed just. If you don't do it because you're a Christian, y'all do it because you're a man. Yeah. You look them eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face, man-to-man, and say, I'm coming here in the Spirit of Christ to tell you what I'm going to do. And uh, I'd like to have your blessing. I don't have to have it. I want us to pray together. together. Mm-hmm. So I think church planners ought to do that. But on the other hand, this what makes the other group bad. It takes <laughs> two to have a relationship. Yeah. If they don't want you, then they don't want you. Mm. And that's okay. And that's one of the things that you guys have done so well and we have done. If we feel like it's right and it's the thing to do and folks say, we don't want a church, you know, within 40 miles of us. We say, well, God bless you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we're going to love you and serve you, but we're also going to help these churches plant churches. Yeah. And so we don't back up. But I think this, a lot of times the spirit of kindness and grace mm-hmm. is there, but um, sometimes there's a, association that is very welcome and would be incredible sometimes there's not there's always some older wiser pastors that would love to be there for the church planner just to say okay somebody attacks you you're really not going to die <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you think
2: you are but you're really not yeah. and okay yeah. you're in financial trouble i've got two guys that can help you yeah and uh, i'm telling you this state is full of people who I want to help and be there and be a friend. And you just have to be careful and cautious. I'd let the association missionary know that we're there. And if they want you, they'll invite you to be a part. If they don't, they just won't say much. Yeah. And uh, But we have some associational missionaries that would, that would stand beside our church planters and fight to the death for them and with them. Uh, but definitely you need a group. And so um, I think they ought to try.
0: That, that's a great word, great word. And, and it all always comes back to relationships, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. relationships between the churches. I mean, we're in this together. Uh, we're all a part of the kingdom of God seeking to reach uh, people who are not a part of the kingdom and draw them in. And so we none of us can do that by by ourselves. And so yeah. that's, that's a great And I word. just
2: say this, Dave, every place I pastored, we grew, we reached a lot of folks, and I had not everyone, but I had some folks in the area that didn't like me and didn't like our church. Yeah. And my skin is pretty thick. Oh, okay, uh, I tried, But I didn't I didn't just, there's a point where you become a nuisance that you just, you've got to have them to like you. Yeah. You don't want to do that. But I just stayed nice, I stayed friendly, and I proved myself. And most of those folks, I want over. Yeah. had a great relationship. Yeah. You know, the Bible says a strong bear the weak. Yeah. And I felt like I ought to be the strong one, and I'm going to be—I'm not going to let you beat me up. I'm not going to be a doormat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can be nice and friendly when I have a problem with you. I'll look you in the eye, and I'll talk to you man to man. yeah. yeah. And uh, and that takes care of most of it. that's biblical. Yeah. That's Matthew eighteen. So. Absolutely,
1: the, the word that keeps coming to my mind as you're describing that relationship is humility. Like, just man, we right. need planters to have some humility. We yeah. need a, that's that kingdom perspective, just to not feel like, you know, you've got it all figured out, and the established church does not. You know, and that's so much of what we <laughs> yeah. see. So that's a good word. Yeah,
2: Chad, uh, I like what you said. Humility. Here's what you find out too. Some of those guys that react the strongest, they really are hurting.
3: Yeah, yeah. They're
2: not strong people that have it all together. They're in a the place that they're really just getting beat up. Mm. And they've got a lot of frustration. They've got a lot of hurt. And it's, it's so easy. It's right below the surface. It's easy to come out. And that's why we've got to be strong and know who we are and say, yeah. hey, you know, God called me to do this. Yeah, And I have to be faithful to him. And I want a relationship with you if you ever decide that we can have one.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. And
2: you'll find a lot of those folks will come along. So that's a great word, guys.
0: And and a lot of the, the reactions that some of our church planners get are a result of that. There's something going on underneath the surface with somebody that responds negatively to you. It may not be personal at all, but because of the issues they're struggling with, whether in their own church or personal life, um, you come in and, and, you know, it's going to come out against you. It does not intentional, not personal, but it does happen. And so we've got to, got to be strong in that situation and say, look, we're on the same team. Love you. How can I pray for you, help you? And so that's a great, great word. If you could say one thing to our church planners in closing, you know, kind of one big piece of advice, what, what would you give? What would you say to them?
2: The bottom line to all this is a spiritual thing. So uh, you've got to keep your spiritual passion fresh. You've got to have a quiet time. Your relationship with Jesus has got to be personal, and uh, that's the driving force. It's not just about uh, personality. Personality is important. It's not just about uh the right kind of worship is first and foremost about our walk with Jesus and then his anointing on our life for the ministry. And through that it goes beyond just prayer for our personal life and for our family, uh, which is also a big part of uh, you know, keeping your family together and don't sacrifice your family to try your to old church.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Praying
2: for his power. I mean well, there's when there's one You know, I'm, you know, I'm not real strong in reform, but I sound like one a lot. (laughs) Salvation and, and a move of God is a work of God. Yeah. And, uh, so we've got to learn. I love this prayer movement that we've gotten going. We've got to spend time in prayer. We can never sacrifice the spiritual part of it. It's the word of God and spending time in prayer, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he's got to work in the hearts of life. So can't focus just on the externals and, and doing things right. It's got to be the power of God there. So
3: right. personal
2: yeah. prayer life and the seeking the power of God is knowing on the ministry, taking care of your family, first and foremost. And I think the next thing is going to be you've got to be a learner. You've got to bring folks in older and wiser than you. You've got to let them talk to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's where the, where the Bible says God resists the proud. Now think about this. When God resists something, How bad is that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes because we're different or we have God's blessings, uh, pride's one of our biggest killers, guys, where trial and temptation get a few folks, pride knocks out the rest of them. You know, look at me. I'm the man. Let me brag about what I've done. And and it ruins more people than trial and temptation. So spiritual part's got to be there. The humility's got to stay. Yeah,
0: that's great.
1: Well, thanks so much for just taking time to visit with us to share uh, all these great things that you've uh, shared with us about the direction of the ABSC and the involvement of church planting. We want to uh, do a little bit of rapid fire with you, which is what we do with every sure. guest we have. Uh, so <laughs> these are, you know, kind of quick, one to two word <laughs> answers or one small sentence. So, uh, so you up for that?
0: I think so. <laughs> He, he just got
1: scared a little bit. <laughs> they're they're yeah, not too uh, bad.
2: McClung has years of experience asking me things I'm not prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: well, since he's since he's used to doing that with you, let let me be the first one. What does JD stand okay. for?
2: <laughs> My wife says just
1: delightful.
2: <laughs> Actually, not James okay. Douglas. <laughs> James, I don't
1: know why you don't go by James.
2: I do sometimes. Okay. I mean, the nickname I couldn't shake.
1: Yeah. I
0: could never shake. It fits you. It's good. It
2: does. It does.
0: Well, all right. Here we go. Rapid Fire. uh, Top one or two books that have had the most impact on you?
2: Uh, There's so many. Uh, One secular and one spiritual. Leadership, Lyle Schaller, Getting Things Done. Yeah. Greatest book on leadership I've ever read. And uh, when I taught seminary classes, I told the students, "If you'll read this book, you will pass this class. If you don't <laughs> do anything else, it's that valuable." I think another one too is a secular book is uh, Carnegie, "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Oh, yeah. if you if you take the book and say I'm going and do it wrong, you'll say I'm going to learn to manipulate people. If you read the book, if you don't have good people skills, he helps us express the fruit of the spirit and helps us. Uh, connect from what's in our heart to what they hear in their ears. And so if you do it right, He will help you express a warm, kind, Christ-like spirit and interest in them. Uh, Everybody that's good with people has those principles down in His book, uh, whether they've read it or not.
1: Yeah, yeah. What about your biggest strength in ministry?
2: I don't know my main spiritual gift is probably encouragement yeah. uh, real strong with evangelism uh passion uh, I learned the recklessness a long time ago so I'm a little too reckless and a little too rough. There's no doubt. So, so sometimes, you know, your strengths can also become your weaknesses. There you go. And you, I'm very, I'm very cognizant of what I'm good at is also can be my downfall.
1: Yeah. Well, you just answered what your biggest challenge is, and that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and right. I, you know, I tell people all the time that. Uh, I don't know if you know that you're talked about, you know, around the state, but uh, you're a master at relationships. Uh, you know, one of the things I've always loved, and it doesn't matter who you are whether you're the CEO of a large company or you you drive a dump truck for a living uh, or you're a senior adult or a child. I've watched you over the years. And you've just been a master at relationship and learned a lot from, from that. Well, yeah.
2: a lot of that's been, a lot of that's you have to value other folks, value folks yeah. in ministry, pastors, staff, church planters, and I think also just being real. You know, I remember when I was at a little bitty vocational church running less than 20 and all the other guys were getting big churches, I thought, you know, I'll never get there. But you know what? That's OK. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to stay here mm-hmm. and be faithful. Of course, I didn't know I'd be bivocational for six and a half years and the last four years would be like full blown wide open revival. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but a lot of that is has just been real. Everybody counts to God yeah. and they have to count to us. That's right. That's right.
0: Now this will be, a, not be a shock to anybody. I think everybody in the state could answer this question, but what's your favorite hobby or pastime?
2: Well, I love to hunt. I love Harley-Davidson
1: motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those will not be secrets and surprises. Have, have you ever hunted on a Harley-Davidson? That's what I, I, I want to know. Not. You know what? That's
2: a, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or uh,
1: our team leader does uh, kayak fishing. I guess we could do Harley hunting. That's right. Sounds like fun. Yeah. That, that's right. <laughs> what about your uh, favorite movie?
2: Well, we're going to go see the new Jason Bourne movie. I love the Bourne movies. And
1: uh, if it's about,
2: I don't know, if it's about real men doing stuff, risking and daring, I like it. Yeah,
0: awesome. Us too. All right, now, this is a loaded question. Uh, And do not answer ABBA. Let me just put that out there. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite band or musician?
2: Oh, gosh, I really can't answer that. I I won't say ABBA, that's for sure. I like good kind of music. I like worship not necessarily Christian music I like I love the worship music that's focused on my heart to God yeah. if that makes sense to you yeah. mm-hmm. and the second thing I like classic rock yeah yeah, Especially we, the Southern classic rock. I don't say that publicly. I guess I just did. <laughs> you just anyway. did? Yeah. Like yeah.
1: Leonard well, Skinner or who, what? Uh,
2: yes. <laughs> Leonard Skinner and the Eagles and yeah. uh, Pink Floyd. They're not Southern classic. And yeah. uh, Awesome. Bob Seger and some of those yeah. guys. So.
0: I, cool. I thought when you said you like two types of music, you were going to say, I like both country and Western. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness.
2: Hey, Dave, last thing before I go. I want to thank you and Tim Wicker and the guys on the church planning team for an incredible job. You guys are off the charts great. You're strategic. Uh, got a passion for this. It's just amazing uh, what you guys are pulling off. I can never thank you enough from my heart. Second thing, I want to thank Arkansas. Their commitment to church planning through Walker Program Missions Giving and also through the Dixie Jackson State Missions offering. Yeah. Arkansas loves church planning. They're focused on this and uh, they make this possible. So I just love our state and want to thank our state so much for this.
0: Absolutely. That's great. I, I echo that completely, especially the part about how great we are. Amen. And so. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh. All right. Well, Doc, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking with us. We, we've been looking forward to uh, letting our church planters, all our listeners, kind of hear your heartbeat for church planting and and uh, know that it is a heartbeat of the ABSC and a passion here. And so you have articulated that well. So thanks so much for, yeah. for coming on, hanging out with us for a little bit.
2: Hi. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all so much, and church planning and the church planters so
0: much. Man, great time with Dr. Tucker. I uh, love that guy, and i uh, known him now for, for about 15 years, and uh, just what you see is what you get, and yeah. I've always loved that about Sonny, and he he has an enormous passion for people on the margins, mm-hmm. um, and just loves people of all kinds, but, but if there's somebody that is disconnected from the church, disconnected from Jesus, he, he wants to connect the gospel with them, Passion mm-hmm. about evangelism. And you, you hear his heart all the way through there. Uh, the three essential intents that he talks about are uh, straight out of the heart uh, of God, we think, and straight out of the heart of, uh, of Sonny there. And ABSC is now reflecting that. And, uh, and church planters, uh, if you're listening to this— You've got an advocate, absolutely, and, and Sonny Tucker, and uh, and a friend.
1: That's so. what I wanted, just people to hear, is his heart. You know that that really he's driving. Uh, he he heard from Arkansas Baptists, and yeah. then he's trying to drive what their heartbeat is. That's right. And he's such a wise guy. You know, such a wise man, a good leader. Yeah. To, to, to go around the state and listen like that's the first thing he did is, yeah. is when he became executive director is listen yeah uh, man it takes a lot of humility to do that and and then he came away with all right this is what's on on our folks heart and yeah. then he just started implementing that Um just really strategic thinker, wise leader. Just have enjoyed serving under him.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he just he just makes good decisions. I mm-hmm. mean, um, really, did. he talked you know in his you know challenges with maybe he's a little too reckless. I you know I've never seen that. He's always he always thinks through everything. He listens to people well, and if he has a check or a question you know in his spirit about something, he's always good to seek out some wise counsel. That's one mm-hmm. of the things I've, I've learned uh, from Sonny over the years. And uh, you know he's a great example to watch. You know for how decisions are made, you know how you lead, how you encourage. An incredible encourager, and uh, and and because of all that is is well loved. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And and leading the convention well. Absolutely believe. All right, great time with with Sonny. So we're gonna kick it over to Uncle Neil now and have story time with Uncle Neil.
4: Today's story comes from Silas Cross in Catalyst Church in Pine Bluff. You know, we could easily title this story Donuts and Prayer. Silas Cross, who's planting Catalyst Church in Pine Bluff, along with one of their members named EJ, who happens to be a student at UAPB, they decided to go on campus of UAPB and see how many faculty, coaches, and administration they could pray with. Silas and EJ took donuts to several people as an icebreaker and just simply asked if the people would allow Silas and EJ to pray with them. There were a couple of people in the administration office who were uncomfortable with them, praying for them while they were working, but they were not discouraged. They went by the cashier's office and asked the ladies there if they could pray for them, and the cashiers gladly agreed. When Silas and E.J. finished praying for one lady, another lady came out of the cashier's office and asked them if they would come back in the office and pray for the six ladies who were back there. They readily agreed. One of the cashiers said the six ladies were having some difficulty working together and that there was just a lot of conflict happening. This lady then proceeded to pull Silas's church business card out and said that she just finished saying to the other ladies that they needed to call this pastor because she knew that he would come and pray for them. It was at that moment that she heard Silas and EJ out in the hall praying for one of the other cashiers at the front. You know what? God moves in mysterious ways. And the next week, Silas went back on campus to pray for people again and ran across the lady in the parking lot with a flat. As he got out to see if he could help, the lady turned around to see who was coming up behind her. And it was the lady who had Silas's business card in the cashier's office. She broke down and began to cry and asked Silas, how is it that you seem to show up when I need someone? If God is leading you to do these things, then I need to come and be a part of your church. He said, as a Christian, how can I not intercede on behalf of these people. They need to hear from God and I am determined to talk to him on their behalf and follow where he leads. We need to pray for Silas and Catalyst Church as they continue to pray for people and share the gospel in Pine Bluff. We want to hear your story. Email us at thegrind@absc.org. at absc.org.
0: Great story uh, about Silas Cross there. God's doing some great things with Silas and Catalyst Church and some of the investment he's making in some students there like EJ And uh, just praying that God would continue to open up avenues on campus uh, for them to pray for and minister to, you know, the administration and staff there at at UAPB. So exciting stuff. Now we're going to kick it to the bookshelf to see what we're reading this week. It's called reading.
4: Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? You're still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important.
3: You never read anything I asked you to. Uh,
4: I have many leather-bound books.
0: Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf.
1: All right, Chad, what you got on tap this that, week? Yeah, I've been. I've read "Date Your Wife" by Justin Buzzard. What a um, name! Yeah, the the date your wife or Buzzard? No, Buzzard. <laughs>
0: Wish my last name was Buzzard. Yeah, he uh,
1: really, really neat book. Kind of a different spin uh, on on ministry and your relationship to your spouse, how that's important. Uh, you know, there's been an emphasis maybe lately in the last few years on that, but sometimes that's gotten lost. Uh, the ministry is the mistress in a lot of guys' life, you know? Yeah. Um, so prioritizing your marriage uh, is a big deal. I've also heard a lot of a lot of guys that when they're empty nesters and they haven't really cultivated their relationship with their wife, you know, yeah. there's there's not a lot of connection there. Yeah. Uh, so he, he says you know, you need to figure out a way to, to really be intentional about spending time with your wife. That was probably the thing that benefited me the most is that intentionality. Yeah. He goes a step further to probably I'm able to go. And that he does like this calendar and puts dates on it. And so like for the whole year, he's got several things scheduled out. Oh, wow. So it's probably a little bit more intentional than I could be, <laughs> but I want to be that intentional. Yeah. So we tried to, we figured out some rhythms for us where we do one date night a month, at least try to do two a month, but at least we get the one in. You yeah. know, um, we try to do a get, weekend getaway in the spring and in the fall, so yeah. like twice a year. Um, you know, if we every five years or so on the anniversaries, or every three to five years, we try to take a trip together that's more than just a weekend. Yeah. So like for our fifth anniversary or our sixth anniversary, which was last year, we went to New York City for about four days. Yeah. And that's where we went on our honeymoon. So it was kind of a cool trip to remember our honeymoon trip together. So just kind of some things like that, intentionally taking uh, time to spend with your spouse to where it's kind of on the calendar or at least part of the rhythms in your relationship. Uh, Really helpful. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and all of us are busy, but we're never too busy to take care of our families. Mm -hmm. And a great reminder Uh, In that Uh, I read Insanity of God We talked about uh, the movie coming out Uh, We heard Nick Ripken speak last fall And it really just impacted me heavily And then knew this movie was coming out And, uh, uh, you know, just reading this book It's just story after story after story Of incredibly faithful men and women Who absolutely took serious what Jesus said To, you know uh, to lay on your life, take up your cross, and follow me. Mm-hmm. And, and they're having to put that into practice in their context.
1: That's just not metaphorical.
0: That's not metaphorical. Right. And, and for a large portion of the world, that is a daily reality. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talks about in this is that persecution in and of itself is neither good nor bad, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, he said the quickest way to avoid persecution is to not share the gospel. Mm-hmm. If you don't ever want to be persecuted for your faith, then don't tell anybody about Jesus. But the minute you start telling people about Jesus, you're going to face some persecution of some kind. Mm-hmm. It, it, obviously, it's not as severe in the West, in, in particularly in the U.S., but in large portions of the world, if you actively share your faith in Christ— it's going to cost you. And so it's a, it's just an incredible challenge. If you haven't read the book, I, I cannot recommend it enough. The stories are captivating. You won't be able to put it down. And yeah. uh, I read it in a couple of settings.
1: And uh, just a fascinating, fascinating story. He, he also talked about, you know, typically when we find about anybody who's being persecuted or, or imprisoned for their faith, we immediately have this uh, worldwide response of the church to pray that they would be released. Right. And it, But he brought up a couple of examples, biblical examples. He says, if Joseph gets released from prison yeah. before he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, then Judah starves and Jesus is never born. Right. So he said, sometimes we, we we pray for things. And he's like, I think he even said, hey, if I'm in prison, pray for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be released. He says, but we, we've got to realize, like you just said, in order for persecution to stop, we got to stop sharing the gospel. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Right. So it is a reality, and, and we have to see the purpose of God in it. Just super insightful, helpful uh, as American Christians to be able to identify with the persecuted church. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Great book, great book. Well, that wraps up this episode
0: of The Grind Podcast. Uh, We've got a couple of things coming up we want to keep on your radar. Uh, Hugh Halter and Brad Briscoe are coming in for a bivocational church planting one-day event on September 24th here at the ABSC offices in Little Rock. We've got registration links up online uh, on our Facebook page, uh, ABSC Church Planting. So uh, go check that out. Uh, like our page to stay up to date with what's going on uh, with church playing in Arkansas. Also follow us on Twitter at Arcan- or AR Church Plants. <laughs> uh, you can find the show notes of this episode and others at abc.org/thegrind. Uh, And then you can click on uh, this episode is episode four. Uh, You can click on the others there as well. As I mentioned earlier, the Insanity of God movie comes out tonight, August 30th, for a one-day showing. Uh, You can find a theater near you at insanityofgodmovie.com. Or if you're listening to this after the 30th, check out the website for later release dates. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review, please. Tell us uh, what you think. And uh, see you guys in the next episode where we talk with Stephen Bell, uh, church planner at Otter Creek Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas.